1: Seven oh six, at 55 Care City Talk Station. A very happy Tuesday to you. One hour from now, Inside Scoop with Breitbart News Finance Editor, John Carney on the FTX scandal. And right now, always puts a smile on my face when I see, <clears throat> excuse me, Dave Williams from the Taxpayer Protection Alliance on the rundown today. He is, and he's on the phone. Dave, welcome back to the program, my friend. Good to hear from you today, or good to talk to you today.
0: Thanks, Brian. And, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I guess we should be thankful that the election is over uh mainly because i'm sick and tired of the commercials sick and uh, tired of the emails uh this they lose with fundraising emails from both parties so that's what i'm thankful for this this year i, I this, share this your over.
1: thanks dave you know it, it's good for business because um those are bought and paid for ads for for media including iheart but by the same token i share your disdain for them after a while it's like you just phase them out and i'm glad you kind of brought that up first i know you're just you know kidding around serious on some level but I, you're, I just want to get your reaction, Dave, to the outcome of the election, considering everywhere you turn, red wave, red wave, red wave. They're going to take some, this many seats. They're going to take the Senate. They're going to blah, 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 blah. Well, it didn't happen. Uh, at least as of this morning, uh, 217, We need to, the Republicans rather need 218 to get the House majority. They picked up one in California with uh, Representative Ken Calvert in the uh, 41st Congressional District there, but... Um, Taking the House is one thing, and it's a good thing, assuming, as you and I must, <laughs> that Republicans are the party of fiscal responsibility. But uh, just your general reaction, Dave, before we get started.
0: Well, once again, the people show that the pundits don't know what they're talking about. And when you go to the polls and you cast your vote, you we never know what's going to happen. And I, quite frankly, I love that. Right. Is that people are fickle and, you know, they're saying that there's going to be this huge red wave and it really wasn't. And listen, the Republicans are going to take over the House. And that's not a bad thing for a number of reasons, is that you can't have one party control everything, whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans somewhere along the line, whether it's the House, the Senate or the White House there needs to be another party uh, just to create some sort of roadblocks to legislation. I mean, look at the last year, we saw an infrastructure bill. We saw the Inflation Reduction Act. We saw, you know, trillions of dollars being spent with zero checks and balances. So it's good to see that potentially the Republicans take the the House and put, a you know, put the brakes on some of this spending. And, you know, listen, I'm not naive to think that, this is going to, the new era of fiscal responsibility is going to you know, come to Washington, D.C. and the House of Representatives, but at least it puts a stop to some of the massive spending, or hopefully it puts a stop to some of the massive spending.
1: Well, some of that massive spending, I think a lot of people lay at the feet of Mitch McConnell, who I think he was in favor of the one. He was thinking that the Republicans were going to gain some sort of leverage going into the last week's election as a consequence of that, but clearly that did not happen. Um, and of course, leadership is in play right now. Uh, I think Mitch's days are, are, are over from my perspective. I don't know a single listener who embraces the guy or uh, believes he's good for the Republicans. And he certainly is not demonstrably fiscally responsible, Dave. Therein lies the biggest problem. It used to be that that was a, a, a tenant of the party platform, that, yeah, we are the party of fiscal responsibility. They all go in paying lip service to the idea we're going to cut this crazy runaway spending. And in my lifetime, Dave, it hasn't really happened. I mean, there have been periods of reduction, but no overall long-term game plan to deal with this ever-growing uh, and existential threat to our country, which is our national debt.
0: Yeah, and, and that's right. And you look at someone like Mitch McConnell, and what an interesting – Fellow, because he pushed through tax reform in 2017, which really was the engine for the economy. Got it revving. Again, he had Supreme Court justices that he got through that were very controversial because of the timing of the Supreme Court justices. But you're right, when it comes to spending, Mitch McConnell has done nothing, absolutely nothing. And there's nothing wrong with fresh blood bringing in someone different. And people talk about, well, Mitch McConnell is the guy that's always been there. Therein lies the problem. Yep. Why are we always going with the guy that's you know been there the longest? I mean, this is what we need: is some fresh ideas and some young voices and young faces, and, and not the, the crazy ones, but the you know fiscally responsible ones that are going to take the Republican Party and take you know the fiscal responsibility seriously.
1: Well, and that kind of leads us to, Trump is supposed to make an announcement tonight. I think prior to last Tuesday's election, it was going to be a foregone conclusion. If we got a red wave that he was, in fact, going to announce he's running for president. Um, I, I, William McGurn, I thought, did a pretty good job of Dealing with the reality of that in anticipation of tonight's announcement, if you check out the Wall Street Journal, his op-ed came out last night around 6 p.m. I addressed that this morning on the morning show, but um, I don't ever recall and I never really saw Donald Trump as being a fiscally responsible guy. I mean, the national deficit jumped tremendously under his presidency as with the Obama presidency.
0: Yeah, it did. And if you remember during his presidency, there were a lot of times where we had a fiscal cliff, where we had these budget deadlines. He always blinked. He never vetoed a spending bill. He always blinked. And all presidents do. We really never see any president take any uh, strong stand when it comes to spending. And, you know, Donald Trump was the same way. And it it was frustrating because he said and he talked a really good game, uh, but he never followed through on it. So, I'm concerned is that the discussion hasn't been around spending hasn't yeah. been around the national debt and that is what is dragging down this country and that is you know you talk about interest on the debt oh. you know have you ever heard ha- have you heard at all during the campaign That we're spending 400 billion dollars a year just on interest on the debt i didn't hear this anywhere across the country in any of the campaigns and that is a real problem 400 billion dollars brian that's more than a lot of agencies combined this is a significant drain on the country
1: it's more than the vast majority of countries gross domestic product (laughs) that's interest I mean, think about if you didn't have the interest hanging over your head. It's like the massive credit card bill and you're paying 25% interest. You can barely keep yourself above water just making the minimum payment. That's us. It's scary and that's what we can't default on is our obligations to the rest of the world. they're the idiots who've been fool enough to loan us all this money. and I say that knowing full well that yes, the American economy is strong and it perseveres and we're the most reliable one in the entire world. I've heard all the stories and I understand all that, but it's still it is and again I'll go back to the, the, the I think advised term existential threat to our existence. So will it will is. the new Congress – I thought this is a rhetorical question you threw at me, Dave. Will the new Congress be more mindful of taxpayer dollars? I laughed when I read that. I said I think Dave, Dave's going to entertain a rhetorical question this morning.
0: Yeah, and, that, and the interest on the debt brings us nothing. No government services. It doesn't put food in anyone's mouth, doesn't educate anyone, doesn't protect the country. It's just money that goes out the door for no purpose whatsoever. And look, interest rates are rising. What that means is uh, <laughs> the debt service the death is going to increase. Yes. Yes. So what a fun Tuesday morning. It, it is
1: a, just a rock and roll good time. I, I, do you think whether or not Mitch McConnell is the, uh, the, the Senate minority leader and, uh, I don't know, Kevin McCarthy, or, uh, I guess Andy, Andy Biggs threw his name into the ring as a Republican challenger to Kevin McCarthy's nomination as House Speaker. He just did that yesterday. He's a, a Freedom Caucus guy. Do, do either of those positions, I mean, I, I, again, recognizing we just got done with a criticism of Mitch McConnell in terms of spending, would it have a, 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 an impact on our government spending with a different new blood type of concept going on?
0: Well, uh, it's going to be difficult because President Biden is still the president and you have the Democrats that are still in charge of the Senate. But to have someone in the House, to have whether it's McCarthy, Biggs or whomever, to be able to control the committee structure. And that's where it gets important to put the right people on the committees, the budget committee, the taxing committees, is to hold these hearings and look at COVID spending. Why haven't we been talking about uh, COVID spending and the $800 billion that hasn't been spent or the money wasted. And I want to see hearings talking about that. I want to see these uh, the heads of these agencies come in and defend the waste, fraud, and abuse and figure out where the money has, has gone. So that's why this is an opportunity. Now do I think that major change is going to happen and we're going to be saving billions or trillions of dollars? No, but no one's asking the questions, Brian, and that's what we need. And I'm hoping that whether it's Kevin McCarthy or, or again, whomever, is that these questions start to be asked.
1: Well, one positive I heard in all this, uh, Congressman Thomas Massey uh, is on my program regularly, and he said he was actually, I, I didn't say I'm happy that our my, our, our majority is going to be so slim, but he said there's a really brilliant bright spot in having a very slim majority, which appears is going to be, which is, they need 100% lockstep agreement. There's no fat in that majority. So he said that allows individuals like himself, Thomas Massey, who is a known fiscal hawk, uh, to maybe get some say in the appropriations. Uh, he wants to go back to 12 appropriations bills, and we can close down one part of the government if we can't make reach agreement, while the rest of the governments can continue to operate. Going back to regular order, it seems like such a simple concept
0: remember the good old days when they passed spending bills one spending bill at a time and you're right you know you veto one spending bill it doesn't shut down the whole government and what we have now is december 16th is looming and that's another budget deadline and and thomas massey is 100 percent correct i mean this is simple right and hopefully we get back to simpler times and can do this Uh, i'm not very hopeful but i hope someone like massey has a stronger voice and a louder voice In the new Congress. That's not a bad thing.
1: As (laughs) do I. Anyway, coming up, look, a government-failed project. These never happen, and Dave never talks about those. (laughs) Find them online. Go to ProtectingTaxpayers.org. That's from the Taxpayer Protection Alliance. Find them online. ProtectingTaxpayers.org. Looking out for where our money is spent, usually wasted by government. Uh, And uh, Joe Strecker corrected me, Dave, over the break. He said, well, Dave can't go to the Turf Club to get a burger. And I said, well, why not? So, well, if he's in town, it's not on the streetcar line. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all giddy with excitement, made uh, you know, like fr- front page local news headlines. They had a banner month in October with the streetcar, Dave. Our favorite topic. They were happy to report 140 thousand riders in the month of October. Um, really didn't focus on the fact that we had a huge event. It's called Blink. They, it's both Northern Kentucky and Cincinnati all lit up, and it's absolutely an amazing event. We had about two million people down. So, out of like the 2 million people that came into the city of Cincinnati, 140,000 of them rode a free streetcar, a <laughs> free one. So, sure,
0: it's free. It's free. It's yeah, completely, it's, free it's completely free, Brian. Absolutely free.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's no debt service on that either. Ignore that $150 million that we borrowed to build it and no one came, and that's why they ended up making it free. Sorry, had to get that in there, Dave. <laughs>
0: of course you did. Of
1: course you did. You know I'm I'm feeling too good about Thanksgiving and you had to bring up the
0: streetcar. You had to bring that turkey up.
1: Uh we'll have a lot to talk about. They're going to be renegotiating the Cincinnati uh uh the, the the Bengals stadium deal here within the next year and a half. So <laughs> hold on hold, hold on, to on your your, wallet. i know yeah. hold on to your wallet anyhow um over to uh the the failed government funded generator project virgin islands water and power authority let my listeners know about this one dave <laughs> lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do
0: I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car before my kid's
0: PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this is incredible. So the you know, United States Virgin Islands, St. Thomas. And full disclosure, when I was a kid, I lived in St. Thomas okay i was eight nine and ten years old when i lived there and the power system there is awful Um, they need new generators well they have them courtesy of the taxpayer but they're sitting at the port they're not connected and now they want to go with solar power so they spend tens of millions of dollars on these generators that are sitting that's getting old and now they want to do this with the solar power in saint thomas and of course it's the U.S. taxpayer that's, asked, that's being asked to fund all of this. It's just mismanagement doesn't even begin to describe what's happening down there. And we're talking about billions of dollars in aid and disaster aid going to the Virgin Islands. And think about what that could mean for Florida and other places that actually need it and have been hit by natural disasters. And the Virgin Islands is just wasting the, this money.
1: Yeah, you, you point out in the uh, reporting on this at uh, Taxpayer Protection Alliance that it's for – count them, one, two, three, four, $75 million propane generation units. Are these, I know GE, for example, makes these, uh, they, they take jet engines and they convert them into power generations. You can power a small city with one of these things. Is that kind of what they bought, something along those lines?
0: That's exactly what they oh, bought. Okay. And, to, and to give you a little perspective, there are 50,000 people on St. Thomas. It's 13 miles long, about two miles wide. So it's a, it's a small island. And these generators, if they were deployed, could actually do something decent and it could benefit the island. But, again, you know, it's, just, it's the housing, Department of Housing and Urban Development that has dropped the ball on this because there's no follow-through. You know, and we see this time and time again. The metric for the government is spending the money. It's not accomplishing anything. They say, well, we spent the money. Well, you need more than that. There actually has to be you know, some sort of metric as to what did you do other than spend money. But that's what they're doing, and especially in the Virgin Islands. It's far away. People don't know about it, and that's why we talk about it. And plus, like I said, I live there, so it has a special place in my heart.
1: I bet. Uh, it's And it's sad because these things have been proven to do a real great job out in the field. I had a friend who used to... Uh, actually build these things. He could put them together from the the, the minimal nuts and bolts all the way to, through final completion, as well as tear them down. And he was sent all over the world uh, to put these generators in with great success quite often. And it was interesting to hear him talk about it. He'd go off to real remote areas of South America, for example. And you know who paid for these generators? The drug cartels. Yeah.
0: Oh, my God! Yeah,
1: because the local community didn't have power, and they were viewed as heroes for bringing portable power to power small cities in the form of these GE power generation systems, and they work great.
0: And, and they stepped in where the city where government and the state didn't. failed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and, people, and people wonder why this happens, but that, that's exactly why it happens is that they're filling the void of the government.
1: It's an amazing thing. All right. Well, our that's that's success there versus failure in the Virgin Islands. Go ahead and compare those two and see which works out better. Maybe, maybe the Virgin Islands needs a drug cartel, Dave. Just saying. Pause for a moment. We're going to continue with one more segment, Dave. The IRS. Uh-oh. Don't go away. Free 55 care CD Talk Station. One more segment with. Man, I always enjoy talking to Dave Williams from the Taxpayer Protection Alliance, again online at ProtectingTaxpayers.org. Before we get to the IRS, uh, Dave, I'm sure you've been following this, if not closely, at least remotely. Um, We're having some success shutting down Biden's student loan forgiveness. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals granted a preliminary injunction yesterday. They had put it on hold earlier, but this has now turned into a full preliminary injunction. Uh, The big question was standing, and I don't want to dive into some legal discussion of standing because I've had a lot of them with Judge Napolitano and others. It's very difficult to to, to qualify to bring a legal challenge. But so far, two courts have found it. And once you get to the merits of this, you see how unbelievably undecided unconstitutional, what Joe Biden did. He waved his executive pen and tapped into this HEROES Act regarding COVID and somehow magically read into that that he could discharge all of this liability and and debt under student loan forgiveness. Once the court got a hold of the merits on that one, it was like, no, no, you can't.
0: (laughs) Now, Brian, this is critical because this would have established a really bad precedent (laughs) for – for biden for any president after this and i'm really glad that this is happening on a number of levels right i mean obviously first is the cost we're talking about hundreds of billions of dollars not that that means anything to washington people anymore but it means something to us and people normal sane people but also it's the the power right the the checks and balances and the power that the president has with uh executive actions and you know it, it still scares me because they're going to try this again this isn't going to be the last time that they try something like this, even though they get shot down every time. But, boy, uh, I'm hoping taxpayers dodged a bullet on this one. But yes. listen, this was a ploy. This was a political ploy to get votes back in in the summer. And so, you know, I don't know if Biden really cares about this all that much. He he got the press that he needed in August. On Good
1: point. It. That's an excellent point. This is like st- tapping the Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve by a president who wants to go all green so he can try to keep the price of gasoline <laughs> down. I mean, you know, there's so much – I'll use the words delicately because of the FCC. There's so much messed up built into that little analysis that it's impossible to explain logically and reasonably to literally anybody. But what he did get well, – Wait, that, wait, wait, wait Brian, go ahead. Brian,
0: you mean – How he goes to Saudi Arabia to beg for more oil, but says that energy prices are coming down. I mean, Uh, that sort of logic where it makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah,
1: I mean, you figure this out. It's Western oil bad. That's ultimately what you come down with. If, If somebody else is pulling it out of the ground, as long as it isn't a first world Western nation, whether it's European Union or the United States, then... Knock yourself out. Do it. We'll buy it from you. But if we do it, somehow it's evil. If we burn their oil and gas, somehow we still maintain our green credentials because, look, we built a damn windmill farm while we still burn 80% of gas and oil and coal to keep our energy actually on. It's, it's just bat crap insanity, Dave. Absolute bat crap insanity.
0: And the jobs, the jobs associated with this right now, it's Saudi jobs that are being produced, not American jobs. If we would drill in this country, if we would produce oil, and energy in this country this would be american jobs good pain i mean starting at six figures these are good paying american jobs that biden has refused to uh
1: uh yeah well maybe that's the problem Dave, that's why I point out the third world part. They're trying to build up the rest of the world in this global economy while tearing down the outliers, the ones who are doing so well because our system of government and our way of doing things is more effective and more efficient at generating money and actually making goods and, 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 and providing services. We can't have more of that, Dave. We don't want good-paying jobs in this country. We already have too many of them. We're too damn wealthy. That's the only conclusion I can reach based upon the policies that they, are, that they, they back.
0: Exactly. I mean, there's no other way of looking at this cuz cuz you're right. The, the logic does not follow in any sort of logical sense at this point.
1: I'm sorry I took you down that cul-de-sac, but back over to the IRS, <laughs> and this is a wonderful point you Dave Williams made in your uh your uh, a piece analyzing the IRS agents and actually it was the free direct e-file tax return system they're floating. In other words, the IRS not only is responsible for enforcing the tax code and collecting for much from us every single dime they can they actually want to do our taxes for us as you point out that sounds like one hell of a big conflict of interest dave
0: massive conflict of interest to have the irs prepare your taxes do you really think that they're going to look out for your best interest are they going to look to give you the biggest refund possible and just think about this the irs says you know we're preparing your taxes we need all of your financial information now you know, we need to do a deep dive into your bank account to make sure that everything is being reported. So this is what the IRS wants to do. And, you know, we heard about the 87,000 new IRS agents. They are going to audit lower income people. Yes. The reason I know that is because that's what they've done in the past. This isn't just, you know, a scare tactic. This This is not anecdotal. This has happened. The IRS does studies and it shows that they – Uh, audit lower income people and they do it because it's easy to intimidate a lower income person because they can't hire a CPA and attorney. Bill Gates is going to arm himself to the teeth with attorneys and CPAs but (laughs) if you're making twenty five thousand dollars a year or thirty thousand dollars a year you don't have those resources and the IRS knows that.
1: That's exactly right and Bill Gates, he he, he has his full-time legal team under his employ He's got multiple lawyers dealing with this stuff day in and day out. Nobody's got that on a lower-level basis. And if you fo- Brian, Go ahead.
0: Brian, it reminds me of The Simpsons. Mr. Burns, when he walks around, he has like seven attorneys around him. Yeah that are always, uh, but that's what I picture when you no. have someone like Bill Gates is that he's surrounded by these attorneys 24 hours a day yeah. that just waiting for some sort of legal challenge or some sort of problem with uh, in particular the IRS.
1: And one of the most oft-repeated phrases in that big giant biz business as well as any others run it by legal first right? I, yeah. Listen I used to work in the law department a, a big at a big uh, health insurance company and <laughs> that was what they did you're going to issue a statement, run it by legal it's going to issue something on uh, uh, on the corporate logo, run it by Illegal. If you're going to uh, do something that's going to implicate taxes, uh, run it by legal. Small businesses is what I focus on with this, Dave. I, I know the regular run of the mill, you say $25,000 earner, of course they can be intimidated. Of course they can't afford a 400 $500 an hour tax lawyer. But medium sized businesses, you know, ones that say it sounds good on paper, you make a million dollars, but a big tax battle at 400 $500 an hour is going to rack up a bill of hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially. That's the kind of reality we're talking about, and that's where it's going to really hit home, I believe.
0: Well, and that's where the Republican Congress has a, an opportunity is H.R. 1. That is the symbolic first piece of legislation that is offered by the House of Representatives. And if the Republicans take over the House, which they probably will, you know, as we said, a small majority, but what is HR1 going to look like? What are What is their priority? I think it should be the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS, how it's being used as a weapon yep. against political opponents, how they want to hire 87,000 new agents. This is something that is bipartisan, that reaches across the aisle. And it scares everybody, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green, you name it, the IRS scares everybody. And I think this should be the first order of business for Republicans is to look into the IRS. The the weaponization of the IRS, but also the new agents.
1: Well, and my theory and thought on this one, Dave, is rather than 87,000 IRS agents turned on the general public and the electorate, how about we hire some uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, in the form of accounting firms to turn inwardly on the government and analyze and do an accounting of the government's spending. Oh, lordy, wouldn't I be have my popcorn out and my feet up for that one?
0: Audit every agency. Every agency should be audited every year Amen. to see where the money is being wasted, yeah, that's that should be a no-brainer because organizations are audited. My organization is audited every year, and I welcome it, but the government, they do not want to be audited because they know that the books are a mess
1: indeed they do Dave Williams Taxpayer Protection Alliance protectingtaxpayers.org bookmark it you'll like what you read there and you'll appreciate what they're doing for each and us, or each and every one of us every day
0: hello it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on jumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing they were also playing Jumba Casino